0: The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA Ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here.
1: Both parents have, have spoken with each other. And... Uh... And um, they forget what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to to
0: now focus on getting back to their county jerseys.
1: But these fellas, he get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we will put him back in their houses
0: for ten years. Paul Flynn, Welcome to the show. Thanks very much. How are you feeling? You're a week out. It Was this day last week that you dropped the bombshell on everybody? Um, <laughs> are you still? You're happy with the decision? Obviously, I'm sure a lot of thought went into it.
1: Yeah, no. like' I suppose when you make a call like that, it's not something you think of one day and say, right, let's go with this. Um, I gave it a lot of a lot of thought. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, like it's been something that's been on my mind from the end of last season, right? Um, and I wasn't sure whether I was going to go back. And I felt that you know I, I played well last year, even though I didn't get probably you know as much game time as a, you know obviously you want as a player. But when I did come on, I felt I was moving well, and that kind of was. The key thing that made me go back for one more year to see if I could get a good league campaign. I went back in good nick. I really trained hard in December. Um, I went back for fit. Uh, and I had hoped that that would going kind to of, you know get me into the panel early in the league, and then you just it's up to you then to maintain that. Yeah. And I did. I started the first league ga- the first league game against Monaghan. Um, oh, something nearly fell there. On me, well. <laughs> and um, yeah, but then after that it was kind of you know it was hard, and it was. I wasn't even playing that well in training. I was, you know, um,
0: getting frustrated with myself and and know yeah, like look, the body is taking its toll a little bit, you know. And and you, you're frustrated that you weren't able to get up and down the field like you used to, or you're just not. You weren't kicking well, you know. What were you frustrated with? The main thing I think is and it's, uh,
1: is 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 um, repeated sprintability. You know, I, I say um, and what it, like get, being able to not just get up and down the pitch, but with impact. You know, right. um, getting back and making tackles rather than just getting back and covering space, getting up and getting into position for good shots rather than just getting up there for the sake of getting up there. You know, and that's the difference making really strong runs off the shoulder after you're making after making a 50 yard burst back to to um, to get a tackle in and still be able to get onto the end of of a move. Yeah. Um and and that that, that was that's the difficult thing, you know, and that's probably you got to do it, you know, you the fact that you're I'm 32, but part of it as well is obviously uh or may, maybe related to the fact that you know I've had a number of operations over the last few years that take its toll on the body as well. So so, but like you know that that's all a part of it then when I played the second championship game with the club there last two weeks ago I tweaked my
0: hamstring yeah did you just tweak it because when I heard this I was like he's after pulling his hamstring now, he's after getting really thick because he's a competitor <laughs> and he's like, I'm done, I'm done with this. I've tried so hard to get back right and I was yeah. thinking maybe that might have been a knee-jerk reaction to that injury. No,
1: it, it wasn't. That was just a kind of a probably compound on, on, on top of other things. Um, that was only, And it was my glute actually. It was a tweak, my glute, which is directly related to my back and, you know, it was um, it was probably just a sign that, you know, the, as I increase the intensity, that this is is going to become, um, you know, a factor again, and I didn't really want that. Yeah. So it was part. It was that wasn't part of the decision. You, you know, not being able to get to the standards I set myself because of the, the back surgery, um, because of other factors. You know, was, um, the main part of the decision yeah. as well.
0: And it's the five in a row thing. Like, I mean, straight away I was thinking, Jesus, hang on in there. Like, I mean, how? Because that's all the talk this year. But you would have no interest in just being in there with no, like no chance of playing like i mean what does the fight with the five in a row five medals mean anything to you or was that a big kind of make the decision even harder i suppose
1: the funny thing about like with that a lot of people when they were asking them last year when you're asking you know trusted people you know for their opinion on it about going back um, they were they they mentioned that, but that wasn't what was driving me going back. What was driving me was that I played quite well in the summer last year, and that I wanted to see if I could get back up to that standard on a continual basis throughout the league and into the uh, bringing it into the championship and I just couldn't was the answer, and so it was really th- that was what I was chasing was, th- was that performance getting back again. on the team, yeah, yeah, again. and getting back into the starting, starting team. Um, don't get me wrong, like you know, like the five in a row is, is you know, uh, are the potential for a five in a row? Let's be yeah. honest, you know, you're, you're going to take you, people are saying, Oh, what about the five in a row? Said, There's a long way to go before, but you, you know, are on the five
0: in a row, it's like you're on a hat trick, you're on it, yeah. like, you know, what I mean, you're at you, are, you are, it you is, you can go for it, but, yeah,
1: but the way the way I look at it is, like I'll still, um. I wouldn't have valued it as much if I if I if I didn't feel I was making a meaningful impact to the whole panel, and that's just the, the way I'm built. Um, and then the other thing is, I will feel that I've played a part in it because you know I've been in, involved in Fordham, them. Whereas yeah. you know some guys in that panel who, yes, they be on the, the team, um, the potentially can go for five, but um, they may not be in there for the first one. Do you know what kind of I get way? You, So does does, yeah. but look, it was really about kind of you know what drives you, what makes you tick, and when when I couldn't really. Uh, well, I didn't feel I was going to be able to add to the team in that way like you know in, in, for me it was an easier decision than, than most people thought
0: Right okay it did come as a, surprise to, as a surprise to most people let's go back to the start then so you were taken off at halftime on your debut so it didn't go it didn't go smooth sailing and I actually didn't realise that until I read it it was Tomasa Shea as well was taken off at halftime in his debut so oh, yeah. anyone that gets taken off on their debut at halftime, that's not the end of the world right <laughs> so like I mean what happened that day like would you put too much pressure on yourself I know you're a big Dublin fan and being on the hill and everything watching the team before you made your debut so what did you put that down to? I didn't like I I mean naivety really like you know and
1: um, just like this was like back when there was 80,000 people at the first game in Leinster, and it was against Westmead and um, Austin Healy was the was the player I was I was I was American, um, I think it was Austin. Healy. Yeah, anyway, and he was no,
0: not Austin. Damien Ke- or he, uh, Damien, Healy. Damien Healy, yeah, sorry, flyer, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, Damien Healy, great player, absolutely yeah. phenomenal player, and probably. Um, and he was old, He was uh, in, in, into his 30s when I was, you know, so I was feeling like I'm going to run him, you know. And that was I my good engine. And he had some engine <laughs> and he ran me and he kicked two points, I think, in the first half. And he played like, but that season he was phenomenal and like he was a great player. But I was really naive to think that I was going to be able to go out there and just run him when he was a seasoned campaigner. Like there were balls going straight to me and, you know, I, I was just like emotionally hijacked I was all over the shop I didn't know where I was and I, I couldn't catch the ball or anything so yeah it was it was a pretty straightforward decision for Pillar now in fairness to take me off but um, but I think part th- things like that they, they kind of build your character a little bit too you know you,
0: yeah it didn't come easy then you know at the start you know you, you often see Kieran Kilkenny Jack McCaffrey it just happened for those lads you yeah. know what I mean but like it doesn't happen like that for everyone some fellas have to grow into it I suppose
1: yeah and that was the same all through um, the whole season in 2008 you know um and I didn't play that much after that I got no. a few going kind of bit bit roles um but then it was 9 when when, when Pat came in that I kind of got a, I got a real chance at it you know so yeah um yeah.
0: and that was in 9 you got a real chance under Pat and maybe oh that was the start of Learwigs um year wasn't it yeah. so like I mean it, it turned out into a bit of a disaster and came back in 10 and he came back with a little bit more of a defensive game plan then so things were starting to change for Dublin tactically I suppose
1: Yeah they were but like I remember before Pat came in that he like into September when you're fi- you're trying to say to yourself I haven't had a good year there's a potential this manager's going to come in and have no interest in in me at all, you know, and you might not have an intercounty career. Never mind, yeah, um, a good one. And he, uh, but he rang me here before he even started, saying that you know really interested in working with me, uh, wanted to um, see me in the half forward line, I wanted to work with me to, be able to build on my skills, to uh, use the raw talent that you had and the, the determination and work rate, and, and to build the other parts of the game. And that kind of gave me real uh, confidence going into that season. And I had a good season nine, but you know again it was just building but it was 10 uh, and that was the year when we we built on a a defensive um, um, organisation and structure the first thing I think in the first four league games we won that year and we didn't get to the league final or anything like that but we had a really good campaign and then we were beaten in the championship by Cork in the semi-final which we should have won we were uh, around eight points up that game um, but then it was you know and I, again I didn't have a great year in 10 I came in and out of the panel I actually started against Mead when they scored five goals against us yeah uh, and then I was we went
0: into you played it, the Leinster Championship and then against Tip you were taken off that year was it and didn't get back in didn't get back in again Oh, I came on as a, I got, like, just came on as a sub and as, as a sub, and, yeah uh, the, the probably the biggest impact I had in that season
1: was I took a horrendous shot on my right foot uh, against Tyrone and hit the crossbar and O'Gars and the end of it scored a goal. That kind of, you know, was the catalyst for our performance that year but um 'cause that was a big win for us beating yeah. Tyrone. They were a team that we would have benchmarked ourselves against and, you know, they were phenomenal, you know, team, ph- phenomenally successful team. So we were kind of kinda after them. Um so yeah, like they gave us a they gave us a bad beating in oh uh 08. Kerry giving given us one oh in 0-9 and then we went into ten. we got that that was a big win big monkey off our back
0: Yeah and you uh, had a good uh, performance against Cork then who won the All-Ireland so you had something to build on and then yeah. so that's the first three years like I mean and it was a stop-start really start to your career like you were on you were off you had some bad performances you paid the price for it you were off the team and then between 10 hmm. and 11 you go on a run of four years with all stars in a row. Did, did anything change between ten and eleven, or was it th- maybe the system, the team getting better? A lot of combination of things. I think there was a couple of things. Yeah, like
1: I suppose you probably grow confidence a little bit, um, and you, you kind of find your your probably your 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 place in even just a squad. You know, your your own identity in the squad. Where you're probably looking maybe for the first couple of years up at guys who are there years and they were role models of yours, and you're kind of a little bit in awe. Uh, where you wake up into that and you kind of grow into the role. Um, and then, as well as that, I I kind of I was back in DCU. I was studying. Um, I was really concentrating on my game, and that that kind of that kind of built into it too. Because I was playing Sigerson Cup with different players, um, and you're learning you're learning different things, you're different coaches. Right. But it, but that so that all builds up into it, and yet Also, then I had I had um, more time to be able to concentrate on my game and to work on the areas that needed to be worked on.
0: Right. And like even Sigerson for me was kind of like you're playing against these players Mm. from other counties and for some reason in your head you always think they're doing it better in another county and then you realise you're playing against them and you're as easily as good as them. You know, for some reason that just in your own head maybe gives you that little bit more confidence that you're you're definitely up there with those good players from other counties.
1: Big time. And um, and it's a really competitive competition and it's like something that like, in that in the team that we had in DCU, like, you know, a lot of the Dublin lads that, that, were, that were a part of the squad now were there like with Paddy Andrews, Dean Rock, Johnny Cooper and in particular Dean Rock and Johnny Cooper weren't, weren't in like a look in with Dublin at the no. time but they were phenomenal. They were probably the best two players on the DCU team. Um, so, you know, like I think that's the the beauty of college football is that you always have guys who are, you know, Excellent in, in in that game and in them conditions and um, but don't necessarily bring that into the inter county setup um, straight away and it takes time so so you do learn a lot from that competition I think it's a I think it's a great
0: competition yeah no definitely so you played a lot of your underage football in defence actually and and midfield so wing forward in the modern game and a target for clucks and kickouts it was just. Really, it was just set up for you. You know what I mean? In two thousand and eleven, to go to go on that run, you were almost you were guaranteed possession in games. You know, you were you weren't dependent on anybody else to get you the ball. You were there as a you know one of the main targets for Cluxton's kickouts you did your homework with me being defender <laughs> I but uh, I was it, was it was full back I, was I
1: couldn't believe that
0: there. when I saw that full back and you yeah. ended up full back in one of the All-Irelands there one it year or two against
1: Mayo but yeah the kickouts was always one of my strengths growing up like you know my hands and um, and then when when we kind of started adopting that kickout style with, with, with Stephen and um, it, I was just you know it really it really worked but like you know, it, and it's it's not as easy now to kind of to get that space and half forward You know, because people are more kind of aware of it. You know, Zonals, the, yeah. The, yeah, the zonal defense kind of um, really kind of kind of mitigates against that. But again, at the same time, at that period of time, I remember even in two thousand and eleven that All Ireland final. Um, Kerry were very aware of it, and I didn't get as many. You no, know, right. well, I had a hamstring injury going into it, so I wasn't able to make them long runs. But, but Kerry were aware of, it and they they dropped two players into the into the zones, so um, they, they they tried to kind of just to, to stop that impact because that was one where we used to build a lot of our, yeah. our, our attacking plays from, which we get it out to the pockets and then you know transition quickly. So, um, but you yeah, know that, that that did get you into a game and ball win, winning your own ball still is critically critically important to any intercounty
0: player for your own company, you're like I don't need someone to pass me the ball I'm going to win my own ball from these kickouts you know yeah. I, I think that's a great thing but there's, was, I was wondering because in the last maybe two years Cluxton maybe even three years Dublin have reverted to a much more possession based game and Cluxton's not as adventurous with his kickouts he'd tap it to Johnny Cooper if it's there you know what I mean rather than maybe go for those pockets and there's obviously reasons for that because teams are dropping players into it so like I mean would you find yourself in a game having to adapt going right well that's I'm not getting my guarantee possessions now now I have to try and mix it up a little bit and you know get yeah. on the ball in a different way yeah and it probably fed into people um not being involved as
1: in games as much yeah. you know and having an impact on your own performance because um that was a strength of mine and then you're trying to adapt and you know and when, when you're getting man like as well as that in the early doors um in say in eleven and twelve, I very seldom got man marked. Um, you know, you, you just have a kind of a half back who would you know be attacking, or they would be there, but they wouldn't be man marking you. And then like more recently, like all all six forwards get man marked, and then they have a sweeper who will kind of cover cover into the space or whatever yeah. like that. And that was a different dynamic as well because you really have to work hard to get on the ball where it was that a bit easier, um, bit, bit easier prior to that. So yeah, no, it's that's how the game evolves, and that's it'll continue to. Evolve going into the future as well.
0: Yeah, is it is it as enjoyable the game now, where it's kind of disorganised and you're floating around, you're getting a hand pass like I mean you can't really do anything with that hand pass you just have to hand pass it off whereas your natural game would be to give it inside or you know or do something you, know, you always want yeah. to do something on the ball is it difficult to kind of come to terms with the fact Right, I'm getting a ball here now and I'm probably just going to pass it off backwards and then just run around somewhere else yes. you know I said there recently
1: like in 2014 was a really enjoyable year for me because we played that like what you were saying oh, you were flying
0: at that year yeah
1: But we, we, were, we were playing really good really expansive football where we did take take risks. We kicked the ball a lot. Um, we yeah, of course we made mistakes, but we always backed ourselves that we win the ball back, um, and, and then and go on the attack again. And we didn't tend to play with a sweeper. We went we went man to man, and that, that was really enjoyable. Obviously, like you know, and obviously for myself, you're right. I would have always liked to get the ball and try kick. I I, I remember, you know, when Alan was playing center forward, and I was winning them kickouts. Like the amount of times that I just catch it and kick it up to where I was, you know, so if and I And Alan would be breaking and across. And Alan would be there. And, um, you know, we had such a good relationship and then, when he left, um, and I might have been a little bit closer to goal, the amount of times, the amount of the ball I kicked to Bernard was like, you know, and I look back now on games and I'm saying, that's like, you know, <laughs> it's crazy how much we used to look for one or I used to look for him and it, it, it wasn't the guy I was thinking of, it was just it was that relationship there and uh, and that happens when you play with guys you know through, through the years you just know what runs they're going to make he knows you know a good forward will know that if I'm going to turn on my right foot I'm going to look to kick it I don't, I'm not a ball carrier really I'm a guy who likes to to use the boot and yeah. um, so, so he'd be clever enough to be able to feed off that and Alan was, Alan was similar like but now the game has changed a bit where, you know, you might be looking up and there's a sweeper there in front of you, so you have to be a little bit more clever about your ball usage. But um but you yeah, know, that, that's just part and parcel I believe of, and I know, you know, you have views on this, but I think it's part and parcel
0: of how the game is gonna evolve and yeah. it's not as good to watch. Like I mean and I, I play a little bit of intermediate and stuff. And I don't think it's and as good Masters to play. Both, and the yeah. Masters, yeah. <laughs> Losing to Dublin again, live it. But it's not as good to play either. I don't care. Like, but then again, maybe, like sometimes we complain about players that played in the 70s and 80s and how they have a romantic view of when they played. And maybe I'm like that with the 2000s, for example. And now just football's different and you have to stop whinging about when you play it, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think there is an element to that. But like, there's
1: also an element where, like, when, when I think we're in a bit of a, Transitionary period. Um, I always felt that in 14, if we had a f- one dollar all Ireland, maybe a lot of teams might have replicated that man to man style. Yeah. style. Um, and I still kind of carry a bit of hope that that will be the case. Then maybe not a full, you know, full court press because there was a bit of a naivety to that, but uh, a more attacking and expansive style of football um, because. If you look at and i I often kind of compare it to different sports, but if you look at the Premiership at the moment where you 've got Liverpool and man City and they 're playing a very high press style of football yeah. It's and i i 've never been as even though i 'm a Manchester United fan, and it hurts me to say that them two teams are doing well you 're looking at them saying they play a really attractive style of football and yeah. um, but that wasn 't always the case in the Premiership, and even over the last number of years that 's evolved. I hated watching like the Barcelona playing the the tippy tap football, and um, so again, I suppose I, what I'm trying to say is I think that Gaelic football will evolve, and that teams will, you know sitting men back you know hasn't won that many All-Irelands and hopefully if, if teams can you know win it by having an expansive attack style of football that maybe others might follow soon
0: Yeah did, like, I suppose I'd say the 2017 I want to talk to you about two Donegal games because I think they shaped a lot of your career and Dublin's tactics and evolution but the, I suppose it came to like a crescendo against Tyrone in 2017 that must have been a very satisfying win even though like you blew away a team that people thought you were going to have a a lot of problems with, with really calculated, you know, professional uh, demolition job. Not taking the ball into the tackle, moving it around, um, taking them out of their zones. That was almost a perfect performance, really, from Dublin. Was it? Yeah, we played really, really well that day. In
1: fairness, um, and and like, you know, we, we we used the ball really well, and we we like we we probably had. Got a good opportunity to see them in really competitive games throughout that season. So they had some tough games in Ulster that year. And we got to see how they they were going to set up. And then we just spent a lot of time kind of analysing how we could break it down, and just, you know we, and we did it really well that day. I didn't start that game, but I came on, and I you know, um, and I, I scored three points when I came on as as a sub. And I remember saying like I wasn't even playing that well that year, but I got I got into the game. But it was just because there was a wave of we were in the zone, and that yeah. was that feeling. Like you know, you, you play games where things are just going really well for you, and they're not going well for the opposition. And it was like last night with Liverpool and Barcelona. You could see that they were. Uh, rattled last night uh, even Messi and in, in that game we were just all on it and you could feel that buzz and energy when I came into the team that day um, and when it's like that sometimes it can be hard to stop that momentum
0: Yeah no, and you had lads po- posted in positions out really wide and you were running across it looked like there was a lot of coaching I may, look, Jason Sherlock got a lot of the credit for that I'm not sure you know, whether it was his influence but there's definitely some basketball influence with the loop in runs and it just looked like the just a perfectly coached team and I thought that was after that hammering that the defensive systems were kind of you know they would have to change because it's been figured out now and even Leash against Carlo were copying your tactics that day you know and um, maybe that result has helped move the game on from what we've seen maybe this year Well like I, if you just take this, like that Tyrone team like they've,
1: they've evolved their game
0: something fierce yeah. since that game yeah. and they've been doing
1: really well and like uh, I know last year they were beaten but uh, even this year they, they, they bet Dublin Um, and they, if you looked at the way they played this year in the league versus the way they played maybe in that game it's like completely changed and evolved and and I credit to them for for building on that year on year I'm really interested yeah. to see how they, how they kind of uh,
0: come out of the traps this year because they were kicking the ball a hell of a lot more Hell in, of a uh, lot I and think. like I mean the thing about your, your full back line likes to mark from the front and nobody ever put manners on them because they were always running through the hands Do you know now, whereas now they're kicking it in now I'm sure in the Dublin dressing room they're like having to rethink maybe you know they're, they're just being asked more questions uh, Tyrone did in Croke Park and it's like we've been saying on the podcast why don't more teams do that like Mayo are the only team that would ask your full backline questions with good direct ball yeah. and they are the ones that did well against you but then all the other teams try to do it a different way which clearly didn't work
1: yeah, I, I think yeah, I think you, you need to be you need to be flexible. I think that's the thing now in, in modern football is that if you have one system when you play it throughout the whole year, you'll be found out. People yeah. will know what you're going to do yeah. and they prepare for it. Whereas if you can adapt in game and you know look at what the opposition are doing and try and find holes in it, that's what that's what the good teams are trying to do anyway.
0: Yeah, so do- Donegal two thousand and eleven. That must have been the weirdest game um, ever to play because this was the first time we all actually saw. It's so extreme. Where I was actually on the hill that day, and you want to hear what was being said up there. Nobody knew what was going on. There was just booze, and it was like we're used to it now. But that day, like I'm sure you weren't expecting the extreme version of what you got that day.
1: No, no, not not at all. It was uh it was fascinating, like the way the way the game kind of evolved, and you know that it was it was so defensive, and you know and. Um, in many ways like you know in some games you feel this real energy from the opposition and you feel this energy from the fans that's kind of feel it's going against you you know you, you often get it when you're playing against Mayo they they tend to have really really strong support there but that day you could feel it with Donegal it was like I felt like we were we we're in Bally Buffet or something like that really? you know they had great support there um, and they rattled us like you know in the first half and um, and I remember I think it was just directly after half time where McFadden had a goal yeah. opportunity and it was it was it went over the bar but if that had went in like it would have been a, a very difficult road for us to get back into that game you know because
0: yeah. he continued uh, to kick it that day didn't you? because you just weren't expecting it you were trying to get get to Bernard yeah. remember Jer Brennan kicking a lot of ball away going like we know now that that's stupid like nine years later you're like what were you doing but back then it was like how do we deal with what they're doing
1: yeah like and it was like it wasn't as if um, you know we we had an alternative that was our game plan you know and that's what I was saying to you earlier on where if that is the case and that you can't evolve in games or you can't adapt in a game um, that's when a team can find you out but that day like they had their homework done and you know we we didn't but we still we we still um have time and being able to come in then we did get over the line which was probably more by about will than uh than, and determination than, than um than than really about kind of tactically g gonna find those in it, you know. So
0: Yeah. And then fourteen you played them again. You beat them obviously in eleven and fourteen It was kind of like you were on such a high, you were defending All-Ireland champions, you were blowing teams away. Uh, Jim Gavin, in all his interviews, was asked about the brilliant football you are playing and he was talking about how this has been passed down from generation. This is how he, teams he played on. And you almost like telegraphed, because he hammered Monaghan with this huge press, you know, it was like... You're saying there that your tactics were obvious in that you were going all out and you didn't cover your defence and Jim McGuinness kind of copped on to that. That must have been a, a huge low point because it was a li- maybe a little bit embarrassing. I think it was a bit embarrassing because you'd been going so well and th- the manner of the second, probably the second half or even after the first 25 minutes.
1: Yeah, like I've said, like this was probably, I felt, that was the year I was talking about. Like, I, we were playing brilliant football all yeah. year that year and you know um, but we were probably a bit one dimensional we were going all out of tack we were playing man to man we had no sweeper and um, uh and we got found out, right? But like in that first twenty-five minutes, we dominated them, and we put we we pinned them back, and we'd, you know, um, we we identified kicking um, long range long range shooting. We did a work of work over the year. Obviously, they're lower percentage shots, but at the same time, you know, we were able to back ourselves. But we also had goal opportunities. Yeah, Connolly had a big one, didn't he? Yeah, that, uh, and we had, I think we had another one uh, where a hand pass just went behind a man. I can't I can't, I can't remember who it was. But if one of those went in, I always say that we would have went, um, we would have went clear. I don't think we wouldn't, we wouldn't turn back because we probably would have deployed some sort of, um, you know, cover or sweeper of some kind, you know, because we were seven or eight points ahead. Um, but at the same time then we just got sucker punched and um, and they were so clinical then as well and they just kind of kept getting us on the counter attack um, and we just didn't know what to do about it and yeah really difficult loss for me personally I felt that like um, I took that loss really badly Um and you know I remember at the time saying that like it felt like I was I had to grieve that loss uh, to a certain extent because you know I felt we were on the cusp of something really special and you know it didn't materialise which was really disappointing
0: but Well without that loss you probably wouldn't have got more street smart you know what I mean you you haven't been caught since I suppose you know so Mm -hmm. like I mean some good came out of it oh, know, no, like, sullivan's a sweeper and you don't you don't you're you're a lot smarter on the field now i suppose yeah
1: no 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 we we learned a lot from that game but at the same but at the same time when you're in the middle of it you can't see that like yeah. you know and uh, but you you only learn from you know when you get the time to reflect and you get the time to you know think about you know how we can improve i suppose but um, but now at the time, it didn't, it, you couldn't see the wood from the trees, I suppose. You know? Yeah.
0: So when you're talking about your wing forward play, how would it have evolved? Like, I mean, in 2011, like you're talking about getting back to making a lot of tackles. And I always noticed, even though I didn't like doing that at wing forward, you'd lose your man by doing that. So suddenly then you're free. He's not going to follow you if you're following a man. Then you have the engine to be able to do that and get up the other end of the field and score. Like you have to process what your role is in the team in your own mind kind of first, don't you? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I would have, you, you try to shape your game off people who've gone before you, you know,
1: and Paul Galvin was a brilliant number 10 do her. um, And, and, there was, and Danny Hughes was from down, actually played really well too. And yeah. When you are that bit reckless when the opposition have the ball, you do, you know, you're very hard to mark. You know, yeah. you could be anywhere and that was always the way that I kind of um, would base it. And even further down when you start to get man-marked, when teams identify you as somebody who could be playing, who playing a key link role, um, I always felt that the way to get away from them was to, to work, to work hard, yeah, um, or to work. You know, and you know there, there was a couple of times when you never get my man marked. Is you know on their kickouts, for instance. You know, you, you identify that the same way. He's not marking me now. Let me go and hunt down this ball and get on it and start um, getting into the game. So. Um, but yeah, know it just it kind of evolved from initially just being that kind of i would say you know doing a lot of the donkey work really and then you're going to say Oh, on you layer on then bit by bit you start saying right, I want to chip in with two scores a game you want to get you know good passes into the full forward line you want to not just be winning kick outs but you want to be really impacting on the offensive offensive structure as well so
0: yeah but see so your engine with enabled you to do that. You know what I mean? You could do all that work and get back up. And I suppose there's never, you never feel as confident as when you're flying fit. And I suppose in those four years, you just knew I can do all that work. I can get back up and I can affect the game in, you know, an offensive capacity as well, which must have been a lovely place to be in knowing that your body would allow you to do that.
1: Yeah. And I always had this thing in my head that like, you know, even if I get um, tightly marshaled for Forty minutes. I always felt that no one would leave with me for seven. wear
0: them down. Ross yeah. Munley used to be like that too. They won't because he used to be flying fit. They will not stay with me all day if I continuously make these runs. Yeah,
1: and I had that in my head for. For years, you know, and I actually still said it to some other players, like going forward, it was like you know, you know, you will get man marked in games if you're if you're seen as a key player. So you know, just just make make sure that you and believe in the fact that you know it's a it's a long game, and especially as an inside forward, sometimes you know that can be difficult. But you know, Bernard, I always felt was so good at that, is that. If he was out of the game for a long period, you know he he knew he had the wherewithal to know that all I need is one chance here, and I'm going to rattle the back of the net, and and he did it in so many games, and you know I always try to keep that kind of mindset as well, um that he might clip two or three points in the last 25 minutes of a game after kind of working hard and doing all that kind of you know unseen work that actually became very seen like it became you know um, people were interested in that forward in, role yeah, you know yeah, so.
0: yeah. did you see notice a difference in that suddenly your work was being highlighted rather than you're just running around and people are not because all the whole way up along wing forwards wanted two or three points and outside, yeah. if you're not getting them what are you doing there but then it completely changed and you know all the work that you're doing is suddenly becomes massively important to the team
1: yeah and that, and that, like, but like when I started in that position like there were the two half forwards who were the workers and everyone else in the forward line didn't really work that much you know they did work but like passively more than
0: nowadays the six forwards have to do the same level if not more work than you know I would do actually sorry to cut you off can I ask you a question on that because I remember Alan Brogan telling me the Pillar used to give him a pass that if his man went up follow him so far but pawn him off because we want you fresh right well that made sense to me as well because like why when you've got like a player of the year standard player why do you want him wrecking himself chasing when someone else can do it and now I notice we talk about this on the podcast all the time every forward tracks his man and we think it's because Dublin do it you know and everyone copies the all and champions because I see like say Jamie Clark, and he ha- might have have to his corner back might take off and he takes off with him so, you've got Jamie Clark, like one of the most skillful players, now wrecked. And that's exactly what the no disrespect to the cornerback, to a lesser ability, you know, a player wants. He wants to drag him out. Why do they follow instead? Because there's enough men around that middle third, or is there a tactical reason why everybody follows their man, even the, sco- the real scoring forwards and wasting energy? Like, you wouldn't see Messi chasing someone to you know to lose his energy. I don't know why in GEA it seems to be this you're not working hard enough for me if you're if you're all not following your men.
1: Yeah I think there's a I think there's a balance somewhere in the middle whereby, you know, if there's a threat to the run that's being made you have to honour it. And uh, he could create an overlap, he could make a run that T- distracts, you know, potentially your sweeper, you know. So there's, it's it's not as straightforward as saying you can you can let them off, and I'm gonna hang tough here for the ball that's gonna um, be turned over because, you know, in in the game right now, the game the ball is, is can be turned over less, and it might end up in a score. as so We we'll have time to get back where right, yeah. you know. Um, maybe back a couple of years back, you know, there might be a kick pass, it might turn over really quickly and then you're free. And, and you put on manners forward. on
0: him. That doesn't really happen now, does it, it not? It, 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 it
1: less so, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but, you, but like, you know, it, it, is a, it is a point well made. I remember having to honour runs and there were halfbacks and they were just running into the far corner and they were only doing it just to get, you know, me out in position, yes. and, and that, you know, you do question that at the time. You're saying, why am I making this run? I know I'm gonna be, um, I'm gonna lack a bit of juice going forward. The other way now, when the next play comes along, but. But that's why the levels of fitness now are just, you know, phenomenal, you know, and, um, and lads to be covering, you know, well above 10k a game and stuff like that. So. Yeah.
0: And have you been checking your stats? Have your stats been on the, on have been falling? Is that some reason why you were talking about your your, your ability to get those high intensity sprints back up the field? Are you, is that all monitored that you, you'd notice your numbers getting worse or?
1: Well, I, actually, because I wouldn't know the numbers from back when I was doing it all right. It's oh,
0: to, true. To, yeah. be able to, to, to be able to compare. But what I do know is that I wasn't getting back up to make Felt- did yourself yeah yeah, yeah. okay um, come here another one I wanted to ask you oh yeah your kicking technique you kind of um, give Michael Murphy a bit of credit for that because he's obviously got a sensational kicking technique and you did a lot of work together at DCU you lived together and practice makes perfect I suppose so like I mean was that something you figured out yourself or was something he helped you with or like I often think kicking I don't know Like I ne- I was never the best kicker in the world I don't know if somebody gave me advice who would make me a better kicker I know you are a good you naturally are a good kicker so you know um,
1: naturally no, I, like, you know, And I, I'd i say I'm more I, I worked hard on it I really? wasn't someone who you know growing up like I wouldn't have kicked three or four points in underage games it was erratic you know and um, I, I think I got a couple of there were a couple of key interventions one was with you know with Michael and getting a chance to to um to, to kick with him you know and just kick the, the well, part of it was the fact that i was kicking more because i was going out there and just kicking sessions but then the other part of it was that you're just like listening you're watching you're you're watching the style and his he's got a real nonchalant kind of like relaxed style he does yeah where i was like you know i'm 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 I probably have to work in at 100% to get the ball back and then i'm trying to kick it at 100% and you know you know paul clark you know great coach as well of was said to me from a really young age like you know Work hard at 100% to get the ball. When you have it then, you need to go back down to around 80% because you'll get the good strikes then. And um, and, 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 and as well as that, I used to do sessions one-on-one, sorry, well, myself, Pat, Gilroy and, and Bernard. And like as, as well as that. And that was really breaking it down into kind of a three stages of, of a kick, whereas one was compose yourself. The second was concentrate on getting a good strike. And the third was... Make sure you follow through, and I used to like the I had a kicking routines I still did, t- and I'll still do when I, you know, doing a bit of kicking uh, practice is that, like, you know, breaking down into one compose, two strike, three follow through, and not care where the ball ends up, but like, you know, nine times out of ten, when you get the good strike and follow through, they will end up going over the bar. And um, so, 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 you know, there is a lot of work you can do with that, and even you can compare that to golf where you, you, you look at guys you know and, and you know a nice smooth swing yeah. and they make good contact and the ball goes so far and you're like saying you know he's a small guy how's he hitting it so far um, but it's all about it's all about the strike you know so. Yeah
0: you got very good at kicking him from your bad side like wrapping them back around that that way is that something you would have practised on most of your points nearly come from there am I right that's just from memory now you know you're, where you maybe it's just whatever side you're coming off someone's shoulder but you seem to be, be wrapping them around on your back which is technically a more difficult kick
1: yeah the lads used to like it my sweet spot and training because I just I'd, I'd literally get thirty balls from that spot and I wouldn't go anywhere else. I always had this thing in my head that the other side is easier, so I can. Yeah. Just, this is the hardest <laughs> kick, so get this right and the rest of them will, will be easier. But but if you think about it, like if you can if you can a lot of good forwards can 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 do that. Um, can, um, um, that shot, but you, there's more space out there. If you go in the other side, if you're cutting in, there's always going to be men in there. Whereas you're going out, to you, you know, you're going away from the players. So, you know, that's why I always went after it. And if you can just get the angles right, you know, I always felt that uh, any, anywhere around that space, I, I, I'd always back myself. So, Again, just just down to really practice, and you know, yeah. Because
0: Connor McManus gets some outrageous points from that side, and I didn't really think about that because he's obviously not running into the crowd. He's trying to like. Usually, when you go out that side, you're not going to be, obviously. There's nobody out there because there's no one outside there. But yeah. like, people are kind of like, ah, he's out there. We'll let him. Sh- we we'll kind of let him shoot.
1: Yeah, there is a little bit of that. Yeah, like, you know, they don't want you cutting inside. They're always maybe fearful of the chances you might get in a goal or an easier score. But I always felt that if you go out that way, you know, you're going to get more shots. So
0: yeah. What about Jim Gavin's? Uh, he's pretty cutthroat. The only one I've seen ever turn around when he's kind of out of the team is Paddy Andrews and I don't know he did it this year you know last year I thought Paddy was completely out of the reckoning and then this year he came back into the team do you feel the writings on the wall with Jim sometimes when you get a little bit older and we know and this is not a criticism of Jim Gavin this is why you keep winning All-Irelands is that he's ruthless and he moves lads on and new lads come in and they have that, that hunger is there ever a kind of thing goes through your head Jesus I'm, I'm being shipped out here or you know, does that cut through your head? No, I think there's like you could you could probably, um,
1: in fairness team he'll play if you're playing well enough. He'll play, and right. that's like, you know, and that's been always part of his kind of thinking process, and um, and he's always highlighted that to players. But you know, at the same time, like there's some phenomenally good young players coming through. You know, so you can, you know, as a guy who's kind of just retired, who's looking back, he could say, oh yeah, sure, I should have started every game. But at the same time, there's some like, really talented young footballers in, in Dublin at the moment, and um, and you know, and they're hungry, and they're committed, and you know, and and they've they've got time, you know. Maybe some of my students as well, so they're really investing into the into their own performance in the game. Um, so you know, I think if you're playing well enough, he'll pick you.
0: So it's going off training. It's not going off age profiles. It's just going off who's going well in training, and that's all. It's not the way. going off
1: age profile, but it's 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 going off it's going off performance. But you need like you know. Uh, you know, you need to be playing well in, in, in league. Then he'll build that into the championship. And then, you know, but like, you know, maybe training does come into it, but more so around the games that have happened throughout the course of the year.
0: Right, because cause, Kilkenny were famous for really intense kind of in-house games. And you have a squad that could pick, you know, your second team would be Leinster champions. And, it was you know, I'm sure those games are pretty intense, are they?
1: They are. I think they are. Um
0: They're great games, you know, and and that's why I was
1: saying like someone asked me recently, I can't remember like who is one of your fiercest competitors, and like you know I was saying you know Jamesy and Jack because you're going against them. Once a week, you know what I mean. Um, and whereas you might play a guy, another guy once a year, and and you know you'd be sick, you'd be sick at the sight of you know of them lads because you know Jack has such speed and James is as hard as nails and 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 when he starts going, it's very hard to catch. And so so like them games are, you know, they lend themselves to you know an environment that you know um, players will you know, have to push themselves very very hard. And but that's no different. All squads up in the country have really competitive competitive games.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, true. Come here, another couple of ones. Uh, do you ever feel sorry for Mayo at all? Did they ever? <laughs> After beating them, like I know your competitors, and I know whatever, but like, I mean, especially the second one when Lee Keegan got that goal, like he obviously won it. And maybe this is just a stupid question. Would you ever stop and think, Jesus, you kind of feel a little bit bad for, for them, no? Yeah, the utmost
1: respect for that team, you know, I remember a funny story when I was going um, All-Ireland Final in 2017 um i like family members saying to me, um I you, you wouldn't begrudge Mayo or <laughs> anyway, would you? And I was saying, like, I'm about to get I'm preparing here for, you know, the final and you're you're saying this to me so but like, you know, I, I did feel like in um in eighteen, like, you missed the buzz around Mayo because they bring such, you know, um the, the, you know, obviously the way they play is is so exciting to watch. But also their are fans, are you know, yeah. they're off the charts with regards to the commitment and Uh, and and all that so you know absolutely utmost respect for them but like when you're in the middle of it you can only focus on yourself
0: Ah yeah obviously but I'm talking well after the game like you know but you've mentioned fans twice now Mayo fans and Donegal fans and Mayo fans I always say in Croke Park and I've been on record for saying stop complaining about Dublin's support and go and support your team and take that advantage because it is an advantage to Dublin having most of the fans in, in Croke Park and Mayo take that away from you. They give it 50-50. You know, the noise-wise, it would be 50-50. And that has an effect probably on the game. Whereas Galway went up in the All something final last year. There's feck all of them there. You know, do you think counties are selling their teams short by not going up there? Because obviously the roar of the crowd has a huge bearing on, on giving you a lift and also kind of having that demoralising effect when it's going against you.
1: Yeah, and like even sometimes, like you know, there might be... A lot more Dublin fans there, and, and just it's just the, the way I just always remember Mayo and Donegal fans to be really, really passionate and and loud in, in games, you know. And um, but yeah, no, I, I do think it's I think it's more, and that's where you know obviously the provincial games or the games being played in provincial stands, like you know, add to that buzz, you know, because whether you're playing with Dublin or whatever. Um, you know there there was always that more of a balance um, of the crowds and it's a lot more intimate so you kind of the fans have an impact on it then where in Crow Park unless it's unless there's 80,000 people there um, the fans probably don't make that much of a difference because it just there's an echo it doesn't feel as um, as in your face whereas you know when it's why do game and the Mayo game come to mind it's because there was 80,000 people there and it was when there is 80,000 people there it's like like a coliseum in there it's like you know so warm you know you can't communicate with your teammates you, um, you know you, 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 any wave of momentum from the opposition fans is amplified and that kind of you know builds on that so yeah. Um, but that would be the same in a provincial ground if if there was if there was only twenty thousand people there and it was full, so that's why you know the hurling for instance last year I always felt was was so successful because they were in provincial grounds and um, and all the games in the qualifiers predominantly were and they were full and then there's a you know there's an excitement to the games you know so yeah I think I think it, I think it adds to
0: it it does make a difference so I remember the Leinster final in 07 playing Dublin and it was a full house as well and I was shouting at the centre forward and Paul Lawler and he couldn't hear me yeah. and I was only like. 20 meters away from him on the wing and just wondering like when things are going at fever pitch against Mayo you know, Lee Keegan scored that goal. Like, are you trying to talk to each other? Like, how you gotten to the point where you? I didn't think he would pull that game out of it. I thought when Mayo got that goal that they would win it because the whole weight of history was behind them, the whole country was behind them, and you were just like ruthless killers. That James McCarthy just comes up and kicks a point, pint and it's like this fairy tale isn't happening today. You know, like I mean, yeah. and uh, how do you communicate with each other? How do you calm things down when things are going crazy in a game like that? Yeah, like it's 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 really difficult thing to do,
1: you know, momentum in games is, is, is so powerful and um but one probably if you it's all down to your preparation and you know you, you have to have kind of you know in your mind that there are going to be phases in the game where a team gets you know um, a purple patch or they are going to get a really big play um, and it's what you do next and you're trying your best to get a good kick out to start it off get possession kill their momentum get a good transition into the forwards and then try and kind of, you know all you want to really do is you want to get yourself into position to get a shot and if you can get a shot then you know a, you can set yourself up from there but it's when you they get a big score and then they win the following kick out that you're kind of the momentum is so
0: important with that isn't he that he's ice cold isn't he he's just yeah. able to just make the right decision and not panic really in that situation and then it can all probably start from there
1: yeah he's look Stevens phenomenal he's like he's been like probably one of the most influential players that I've played with you know there's, there's, there's always a couple that come to mind but he's always one because you know his you know that calmness and um, it comes from his preparation like you know you would have seen bits of it as well when you were playing with him that he's he's just so diligent in his preparation it's it's yeah. frightening and he wanted
0: to play in the forwards when I was with Paranois, I when I'd say he would
1: have been good there too <laughs> you
0: know? he was alright he was alright <laughs> he wasn't too bad but that's the thing do you see, did you have signals with him or was it eye contact or was it what, the minute you moved I'm not asking for the signals if there was or was it just you had to make a movement and he's going to hit that you know what I mean where you're moving into
1: yeah, look, look there's all there's different setups there's different um, movements there's you know and some of it's just down to understanding you know where you know guys have a preferred type of run but you, you, you work on it like you have to work on your kickouts, and every team does it's a really important part of you know today's game and winning possession and building your your, your, um, your offensive kind of uh, platform from there so absolutely you see all, all the top teams now are going after their kickouts and yeah. you know, using it as a, as a platform.
0: It used to be back in my day Fergal Byron would rub his chest I'm sure it's got more sophisticated <laughs> You'd be surprised though. that could be still. <laughs> um, five, yeah we'll finish up here I uh, want to talk to you about the perception of Dublin and whether you're kind of aware of it or whether you think it's fair and I think it's stemming from maybe Jim Gavin not sell it, the famous kind of picture of Jim Gavin not even smiling after you win it, beating Mayo and that crazy Game, the media policy, the um maybe in the last two years you there's accusations that you've been a little bit robotic in your play. I don't blame Dublin for that at all. That's in response to how other teams play against you. Are are you aware that there's a perception of this kind of joyless Dublin, maybe, or controlled media kind of um policy? Are you aware of that perception that's out there?
1: Um like I suppose when you're in the when you're in the the camp like you you, you keep as much noise out as possible you know that kind of way and and, um, it doesn't mean you don't do media it just means that you just don't listen to you know what's being said and stuff like that and I think it's an unfair kind of um, opinion on, on that group because I know them like you know so well and there's some really, really interesting characters on that team. Brilliant, brilliant people. And, you know, I suppose it's like any county team. Like, you see it, you look at it, you, people see a Dublin jersey, a blue jersey, and they see, uh, what I always say is, like, they see this uniformity amongst the whole team because they're wearing the same jersey, right? But, like, they couldn't be further from the truth. There's such diversity in that group. It's it's frightening. And, you know, I, I, um, I was only saying, like, there to somebody, um, Malachi Clerkin did a great article with Paul Mannion over the weekend, and there was nothing... Nothing about football. It was really just about him, and that uh, you know he's been he, he, a vegan diet and he studied Chinese and talking about climate change. But it was really interesting, you know. And I think there needs to be more of that from the media around not just Dublin team, but all all kind of intercounty setups and intercounty players because players won't mind talking about that type of stuff. And you know, right. If you look at any sport, and you know, you might get it. In, some the, other sports are professional. and You know, it's that's the thing. You know, we often. Compare our lads to professional athletes when we want to, you know, and um, and with media like we have got, you've got professional athletes who it's their job to go out and and to um, promote the game and to promote their team and to promote themselves because they make a living off it, whereas that's not the case with, with our games. We have an amateur game and 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 that's what people um, value so much about the GAA. So you know, it is up to the players themselves that they want to do the media, but. But, but, but equally I think we have a great opportunity to um, create a kind of a better environment for players to want to do media and to get out there and guys. Like I, I just talk about a few of them and I was like, Michael Lermacall. Macaulay did some really interesting um, um, interviews recently, and he's, he's such an interesting um, person. Um, you know, Kev Mack. There's so many interesting characters in that team, and if you can s- s- stay away from speaking about football, you know, and talk about other things, it's interesting, you know, in a yeah. way. And, so uh, that's
0: the thing. The Dublin team are told to be guarded about what happens in the Dublin team you know it's what i mean there's I you're not going, no but no but if <laughs> but you if you true, kept like, like, if you, you kept know? the conversation away from the actual football like you know yeah,
1: but that's no but that's the same with any like player because they want they, they like you know they'll they'll give you they'll give you um you know small bits but they're not going to give you any kind of inside knowledge that people don't already know you know and that's the same if you're talking to any sports there you know um, it's the same, even if you talk, some guys, maybe if, you, if you're talking, interviewing rugby lads or, or soccer lads, they might be better at giving you some kind of spin on things, but it's when you get into speaking about Maybe if you're speaking about things that happened in the past or, you know, historical games or they'll, they'll open up a bit. But yeah. if you speak about other aspects of, of the game, you know, you might, you might get more interesting conversations.
0: I find the rugby lads a lot more comfortable talking about tactics and stuff without being worried about saying the wrong thing. You know, they seem to be more comfortable in their own skin and GA players in general. Rory Grugan was a notable exception with me this year who just got into a nice chat about, you know, tactics in the current game and their tactics and their mistakes they made and I don't think he gave too much away he just said which I think was obvious to people who would be watching anyway I think there is that whole historical attitude that they'll put that up in the dressing room wall do you know that kind of attitude and players are so worried about being being the one that says something that will go up in the other team's dressing room wall and I've never seen anything go up in a dressing room <laughs> wall that any team I've been well,
1: yeah. involved but I think it's a national thing if you look at like sports like in Australia like they share everything you know pretty much um, it's just a cultural thing over there that you know they share the, the GPS data they share um, you know a, a lot of insights into the dressing room which I always find really interesting um, but they don't share everything but they, they give you insights and yeah. similar with like the Hard Knocks you know the, um, documentaries that the NFL do like they, they let you into a certain extent they don't give you they don't give you everything and I just think that, you know, um you know, that's just probably over here, you know, with, with the GA, you know, we probably are a little bit guarded overall about about it but yeah. Um because it's important that guys are doing media, I always feel and um the promotion of our games, we were. Brilliant game, you know. Um, brilliant games, and I think that it's important that we are promoting it because it has an impact then on the next generation coming through, and you know it impacts on you know your, your clubs, and and you've got role models there that they can look up to rather than maybe looking up to to you know Premiership stars who are couldn't be further in many ways, not all the cases, but from reality uh, with regards to you kind know, of the money that they're earning and stuff. But our role models are in, you know, in their club, they're working, and they're, and they're playing the game and I think that it's it's there's something tangible and real about it that you know getting them out into the media creating a safer environment for them or a more kind of um, understanding environment um, from, from that perspective would be would be helpful
0: Yeah okay because I, I, I know when Jim came in I think he wanted he did he did put in structures in place regarding the media though. like he has McCormick in there and he controls kind of or maybe you have to run it past him or whatever so I think maybe Jim taught the perception before that was a little bit he probably knows that because Dublin are so high profile little things can become big things and he likes to control that would that be fair and you know whatever system he has in there that's McCormack's kind of job
1: I just think that it's just about like players playing and you know and trying to take his way take take away um, you know as many distractions or potential distractions as you can so that they can focus on performance and that's that's always what it's been about, and you know, and and that's what it should be about is 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 performance. Um, but at the same time, like you know, I, I I do value like I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't say that you know the, the, the media um, is important because it is, and, and and like I I would have played a, I would have been involved in the, you know and that with ADAS, with AIB and things like that, whereby yeah. there was a lot of media engagements, and you know, I always felt comfortable in the media as a result of that, and you know, and um, and i always kind of probably it trusted the media a little bit you know because i was never really they never anything i said if i if i said it I, I, most of the time i said it but they can sometimes twist your words and you, you yeah. know that but um but i suppose The more you know, if you can get a safer environment for players to get out, it will
0: help. But that's the thing, and this is almost—we're not going to get into any GPA talk now. We don't have time. We're nearly finished. We'll get you in again for that. But like the thing about media managers is they'll put a blanket ban across all thirty players, where there could be five or six players would love to do it. There could be another twenty that couldn't, wouldn't do it, even if he wasn't there. They just don't want to do it. But to put the blanket ban across thirty doesn't seem you know, it doesn't seem to be treating players like adults. That's kind of the way I would look at it. I, I don't know, maybe some kind of, I don't, um, the blanket ban was probably never the case
1: in in, in in Dublin really, like you know, it was about kind of, um, some players just don't don't want to do it, you're, you're spot on there. Um, but if players wanted to do it, like you know nine times out of ten, they'd be able to do it. And um, so I think, you know, it is important and I'm so I can't stress that enough, like the importance of having you know a good presence of players in the media. Um, but equally, you can't stress enough the fact that um, they are amateur athletes and it's their choice. Yeah.
0: Oh, tell me about it. I'm keeping the head down. Is the, is the answer I get off a lot of lads around the country? But look, that's yeah. the that's the kind of attitude. It was
1: the same. Like the, the fact that you would ask me many times to come in. That's why I actually nearly felt. You know that I, I should come into you because you, you're obviously promoting our games, uh, with your podcast, and you know you've got your views on things. I so don't always agree with them, but at the same time, um, it's it's continuous promotion of our games, and that's what's you know important yeah. for the game. Well, you
0: know? maybe you, he didn't ban you, but Shep has me banned from all Dublin players. So, like, I mean, even <laughs> if you wanted to come in, you wouldn't have been allowed. Kavir, finally, I want to talk to you quickly about your professional evolution because you started off in, as an apprentice plumber yeah. back when you started playing, and now you're CEO of the GPA. So, like, I mean that. That's been some journey um, for you, left the plumbing, went back, and now I appreciate. I've had loads of different jobs that came and went until you find something that you love. Yeah. Um, so then went back to DCU, then went into uh, recruitment, and that, and now teaching
1: first just throw that teaching in there Teaching first,
0: right? <laughs> so there's been loads.
1: Well, I just yeah, look, I've, I've always been kind of, I suppose, when, and I put a, put a lot of it down to the county football, and I put a lot of it down to um, the GPA itself for supporting me. And I know you've been the same over the course of the years, getting that support, but because you know it probably was. Available to me when I when I just finished school, uh, when I came into the panel with, with Dublin, then you know opportunities started to open up, and you're getting scholarships to go back to college, you're getting grants, um, and that that I make it feasible, you know, and. I remember looking around the dressing room, and a lot of lads all had degrees. And I said, "I want a degree." I went back to do a degree, and you know, I was probably thinking, "Okay, what degree can I do now that'll let me play football during the summer?" <laughs> and I was teaching, and that went, once I, I probably realised then when I was when I was teaching that um, it wasn't you know what I wanted to do long term. But since then, it's kind of been kind of um, progressive and and kind of all similar enough whereby I was in HR in Aer Lingus. I went into a kind of HR role. uh, Well, it was in recruitment, but it's more of a commercial side of HR. Um, And now, you know, I'm obviously in a role that was probably... Main stay throughout all of it, where I was on the board for the G- of the GPA for seven years, and uh, and then and then I'm obviously have to go in full time now, and you know, and it's very people centric as well as, as as the HR. So, you know, yeah, there has been kind of a, you know some changes, but. Um I think that's you know it's just because i 've always tried to take myself out of my comfort zone and learn learn a little bit more, you know
0: yeah no, listen you 've done well because like i mean, especially when you're involved with intercounty and you 're involved in winning all irelands and it can be very easy to become absolutely obsessed with that like i I was obsessed with playing with leash mm. to the point that I worked in a finance job for seven years that I hated, but I had no motivation to deal with that because i was this was great kind of part of my life and I was just so obsessed with it and then when you're not playing well in football your life is absolutely in turmoil because your professional life you hate yeah. and then the thing that you you like you love to distract yourself from that is not going well so you don't have any rounded kind of um, life at all it's all all your eggs are in the football basket so like I mean I suppose you've been able to keep changing things at the same time as being in a really high performance All Ireland winning team. I think that's a lot of lads in the
1: Dublin and in the
0: Dublin setup at the moment they're the same. They've all got this balance whereby like they have a career
1: and they're focused on it and they also have their career like, you know, the 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 average now is thirty one hours after the ESI report last year highlighted that thirty one hours is the average number that's been put in by players and um, it's like a dual career. You're living you're living two lives but you have to find and strike that balance because you know the um many players who who retire like i've I've retired now, but I know that I have something that I have to focus on, and my void is going to be filled very very easily with my job my my club football, a bit of golf and life at home and and the other things that you probably couldn't enjoy um whereas if you do finish your playing and you have no career off the pitch or you' have a career that you don't enjoy and there's no um, aspirations for growth um, well then that can that's what leads then to Players have mental health issues, um, falling into addictions, and and, and there's a spiral effect then. So you know, I I'm 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 a big big advocate of players while they're in their career, um, ensuring that they're progressing, and it doesn't have to be like you know everything is being put into their career on the p- off the pitch, but you have to focus on it, and and that's why I also see the benefit of media too, whereby you can use the media to help um, help progress your career off the field as well. Yeah. Uh, so th- show th- your
0: personality, you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which so. is. Is probably important listen I've taken up enough of your time and now you have to get back out to Santry there yeah. um, for work so thanks very much for coming in no, thanks William yeah. um, and we'll be back tomorrow with a preview podcast as usual so we'll talk to you then good luck I'm not finished yet it took me a long time to get here
1: both players have, have spoken with to her and uh and um, they forget what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to
0: now focus on getting back their county jerseys.
1: But these fellas will get such a f-ing shit shock
0: next Saturday evening that we will put them back in their houses for ten years. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com.